Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Today, as we get started, what I want to do is look at, uh, spend some brief time in Psalm 119 in prayer, just to, uh, and I, I have uh, recently began to make this a part of my life, is just praying through Scripture, and especially when I, when I preach and teach, I like to just take a moment, you know, brief minute for us to ask God to move and work in our life. So it's going to be Psalm 119, 33 through 40. I'm going to read it. So if you want, you can just close your eyes and listen or uh, follow along, whatever, just uh, sort of take time for the Lord to speak to you, whatever that would be. But this moment is just a time to pause and say, God, would you prepare my heart for what you're going to do during this message? So let's pray together. Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws. Rather than a love for money, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. And Father, as we read this psalm, we come to you humbly admitting to you there is nothing we can do in our own power to advance our spiritual health at all. Everything we do is by faith in you. We're inviting you. We're opening ourselves to you. We're clinging to you. We're we're setting aside our wishes so yours can be in us. Because we know that what you want and what you see we need is what we truly need, Father. Just help us shape our hearts today, Lord. Change, change our view, change our perspective, change the, the, the attitudes, the, uh, the desires that we have. Make our desires line up with who you have called us to be, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness in our lives through all seasons. So, Father, today and throughout the course of this series over this this summer, throughout this this season of summer, Father, we pray that you would do a work in us. Lord, we we invite you. We welcome your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. And we are going to, 
as uh, Pastor Todd mentioned, kick off a new series today called Thrive. And, and the idea is how over the course of this summer, we can begin practicing spiritual disciplines and, and activities that are going to help us to grow and cultivate a heart for God to move and work in us. And to start off, what I want to do is to share with you one of my favorite parables. And most importantly, Jesus said it's one of the most important parables that we could ever know because it helps us to understand every other parable that he, he provides. And as for me as a, as a teacher, uh, as a preacher of God's word, it's something that I regularly think about. And it's the parable of the sower. If you've been in church, you've probably heard of this parable at some point. If you're new, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and give you an idea about it. And Jesus would tell all of these parables or stories with a point and, and, and people would lean in and he always used regular stuff that they were familiar with. And um, the, the idea of sowing and reaping was, was like a, a, a really basic concept at, at that time. It's maybe people don't understand. We're not in a, an agrarian society as much as we were in those times, but we're in East County. So maybe you guys, you guys understand farming and, you know, the way stuff grows. And when I'm, I live in Mission Valley, so there's less of an understanding of some ways at this point, but the, let me, let me explain to you what this, what this parable teaches us and how important it is. So Jesus says there's this, there's a sower that's going around and he's casting seed and some of the soil or the, some of the, the seed lands on the beaten path or hard soil. Or you think about if you're throwing seed and it lands on the sidewalk or it lands on the asphalt. Like, you're not going to have a great harvest sowing seed on the sidewalk or on the asphalt. It's not going to happen. And, and the birds come and they, they eat that seed and, and, and nothing ever uh, grows or takes place. The next soil is shallow soil, which from the outside, everything looks great. And, and the, the seed lands and it's able to, to, to take some form of root and begin to grow. The problem is there's rock underneath the surface. And the root is not able to go down deep. And that plant is not going to be able to survive the, the, the sun or, or a time of drought. And it, it ultimately fades away. The next soil is a soil with weeds. And some of the seed lands amongst the weeds. And while the plant is able to grow, it's having to compete with the weeds. And for whatever reason, the weeds grow faster. And they grow in random places where you don't want. And if you have a yard or you caretake anything, it's just, it's, it's never a surprise to me how weeds just show up in random places. You would never think you would have to caretake. And then when you want stuff to grow, it's hard, but the weeds, they find a way. They're pesky and they, they choke up and that plant is never able to really be fruitful. It's never able to reach its full potential because the nutrients of the soil and is, is being just taken away by the weeds around it. But the good soil, Jesus said, is just this rich uh, soil that's broken up. It's, it's moist. It's got an abundant water supply, the right amount of light. And it is able to, the plant is able to grow and not just grow, but to flourish. And we're, we're talking about a tree that can, can put down roots. And, you know, the way uh, large trees, the, the root system goes down deep and is substantial and huge for a tree to grow tall it has its roots have to grow down deep and that tree is able to have a 30 60 hundredfold that one seed is able to make such 
a big difference. And, and Jesus and Jesus' disciples are like, hey, cool story, bro. What's that about? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And Jesus says, all right, let me, let me break this down for you. He says, the hard soil is when we stiff arm God. We, we, we say, look, I don't, that's what your word says. I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't want that in my life or I'm, not, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. Whatever the case may be. And I'll just, just warn you, it's a dangerous spot when we stiff arm the Holy Spirit, right? When we just tell God, that's not, you're not right. I tell my kids, if I disagree with Jesus, guess who's wrong? It's me, <laughs> right? And it's bad when I am blocking him and, and condemning him in some way because I am wrong and the enemy comes, takes that word away from us. The shallow soil is when we don't allow God's word to go down deep inside of our lives. We just say, stay superficial. We want Jesus to change the embarrassing stuff, the things that uh, cause us problems, make us get fired, but we, we still wanna have control over our life and we won't let him go down deep to the core of who we are, change our minds and our attitudes. And the problem is when hard times come, we don't have those roots deep down. We're not able to be nourished and we're not gonna, our faith is gonna struggle. We're gonna, we're gonna face a lot of hard times and we're not gonna have the strength that God wants to provide for us. The soil with weeds is the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth and worries of other things that choke out God's growth in our life. And we live in an incredible time in so many ways. I mean, you, you just think, my, my, uh, my, both of my grandmothers are still alive. One of them is 94. One of them is 88. She just had a birthday today. I may send her, I guess this one's not being recorded. I was about to give her a shout out for, uh, for my grandmother. But um, think about how much life has changed for, the, for those ladies. Like, it's crazy. Like, technology, and you're talking to somebody's, you look at this device, and they're on the other side of the world, and you're talking to them. Like, there's so much stuff that we can do. The problem is we don't have the wisdom to manage everything. And it's just throwing at us all over the place. And we're just like so like squirrels, just not able to focus and to be still and quiet. And sometimes it's even our job expects us to kind of work in that way. And it's hard. We never are able. It chokes out what God wants to do. Because all of the, the, the created things that God has made for us, which can be good, we begin worshiping those rather than the creator himself. But the good soil, that's when we allow God to come into our lives. And we say, Lord, I'm yours. I am an open cup ready to be filled with whatever you want to put in me. Lord, you do the work. Whatever you know, broken mentality. And sometimes, honestly, for the hard soil, sometimes the reasons why we stiff arm God is because we've believed lies the enemy has put in us. Or we've had people tell us stuff about us. Hey, Jeremy, you're, you're always going to be a failure. You're never going to be able to get past that. There's, there's these things that, there's these lies, there's these broken mentalities that we tell ourselves. And Jesus says, that's not true, Jeremy. That's not who you are. In me, there is victory. There is hope. And that's how God is able to break through. But we have to let him move and work in our lives. And he wants us to be fruitful, to make a difference. He wants us to be a tree of life. 
I love John 15, 5, or Jesus in John 15 is explaining the idea of abiding in him. And, and once again, a, a, a agrarian analogy. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a pretty simple idea. Branches are only alive as long as they're connected to the main tree. You don't have to be a master farmer to understand those ideas. And Jesus says, if you're connected to me, you will be fruitful. And as we begin this series at Quest Church, my hope and Jesus' will for your life is for you to be fruitful, to be a, a, a tree of life to other people. And to him, to be a blessing. And that people would see your life and the Lord would be blessed in how you live. And people would see your life and see the good things that, that God is doing in your life. And fruit can take, it can be attitudes. It can be people coming to Jesus. It can be acts of service. There's all these different ways that we see fruit. And we shouldn't compare other people There's, with others. It's really about our own personal traje trajectory but we want to be a blessing. And I, I think about it, if we're real, if we're honest, get real for a moment. There's some people in our lives, they are a blessing. And some people, a little burdensome sometimes. If we can be real, we know, no looking around, no pointing anything right now. But uh, one of my pastor friends, he calls them EGRs, extra grace required people, right? You know, and there's some people when they call you, like you're going to call them back immediately because they are life-giving. They text you, you're gonna text them back. Some people, maybe not so quick. It's gonna be a little bit slower because they're, they're taking withdrawals from your life. They're not depositing. But people who are blessings, they're constantly depositing, depositing and bringing life and hope. And you hang around them and you're like, man, I feel more refreshed because I'm around this person. And Jesus wants us to be blessings. He wants us people in the world that don't know him, to be excited to be around you, to be grateful for you. And, and, and so our hope, though, is to lean into him and let him do the work. We have to stop accepting what, what, what I would call just being fine. In, in my family, somebody, I don't even remember where we heard this saying from, but um, this is a, we, we call it the Christian F word in, in my, uh, my family when we say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Or sometimes it's not said that way. You know, I'm fine. It's fine. You know, that's, everything's fine. Like, really, is it fine? Because it doesn't seem like your tone says that, right? And we just sometimes spiritually, that's where we are. I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's okay. Jesus, he doesn't want you to be fine. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to thrive. We have to do is open ourselves up to him. And we're going to look at over the course of this summer, you're going to journey and find things that you can do to open yourself up, to be the good soil, to remove the weeds out of your life. The stuff that's choking, choking out the many instances, the good things that God has given you, not letting that overwhelm what God wants to speak to you about. And to let him change, to break up the lies that the enemy has placed in your life. And let his truth shine and bring hope. And that's what Psalm 119, as we were praying, is saying, Lord, teach me to follow you. Make me eager for your word rather than for having a love for money. You know, 
turn my eyes from, from shameful things and let me, you know, there's just these broken attitudes we feel like we have to be stuck in. And today we're going to be talking about this idea of solitude and saying, Lord, I want to spend time with you and I want you to be the main voice that speaks into my life. That tell, so whenever we, we come to a moment where we're facing a decision and, and we're weighing the opinion, Lord, I want your opinion to be the one that matters the most. I want you to speak into me. And what you say, that is what I will do. That's what Psalm 119 was praying. And, and a time of solitude is a moment to pause. And we have all these notifications and all these buzzing and beeping from these things, which my notes are on here, by the way. It's on airplane mode, so I don't get buzzed and beeped while I'm here preaching. But we have to get away from all those things and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Do you know it's, a, it's even perhaps most important for for men like Pastor Todd and men like Pastor Sherwood who are leading to not just do good things, but to stop and say, Lord, what, what is it you want me to do? And, and, and not just go through the motions, but to have a relationship with God. So we're, what I want to do today is, is spend a little, of, a little bit of the remainder of our time in Psalm 84. And I believe this is a great psalm, just like what, what you, you didn't even realize it, Today, when we came in, we prayed through part of Psalm 119. You already started this idea of, of solitude and how you can take what you prayed and you can go do that yourself. We're going to do the same thing with Psalm 84. We're going to unpack this, this a little more because what I want to do is to, to give you a template that you can take home with you for the rest of this week where, to, to sort of set you up for success in spending time with the Lord and what that can look like. So... Uh, Starting in Psalm 84, verse 1, here's what it says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty. My king and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. Baca is a term that can refer to weeping. When you think about Baca, think about weeping or tough times as they pass through the valley of, of suffering or of difficulty Weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So as we look at uh, this Psalm 84, what I want to do is just give you three simple ideas to take home to help you to uh, unpack this verse, this, these verses yourself this week. The first is this, abide in Jesus, welcoming his spirit into your life. 
In Psalm 84 begins, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. So what, what's so cool about the Psalms is you, you find attitudes that are presented. And even though that attitude may not be how I feel at a given moment, as I'm reading this, I'm spending time with this, I'm confessing this, I am realigning my attitude with what the word says. Because sometimes for me, if I'm being real with you, and I hope, hopefully we can be honest, we can be transparent, sometimes there are places or there's other activities that seem more fulfilling to me than spending time with the Lord. That's just real talk, right? That's how I am. Sometimes I would rather be doing something else than spending time with God. Our society, we live in a, a current that is pushing us the opposite way than spending time with the Lord. Everything that we wake up, unless you're spending time in the word, unless you're surrounding yourself with, with godly influences, you're gonna hear ideas that are contrary to this statement throughout the whole day. And sometimes we have to pause and say, Lord, your dwelling place is lovely. I was created to know you and I'm gonna make, this is where I wanna, I'm gonna align my attitude with, I'm gonna open up my life. I'm gonna break up the soil so you, this attitude can come in and be planted. And here's the reality. Everybody, I, I don't care how influential, you know, I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your life story has been. Everyone was created to know God. Everyone, that's the whole point of scripture. You go from uh, Adam and Eve walking in the garden to re in Genesis to Revelation where the city of God has been restored. People are living in the presence of God. We were always created to know him. And to walk with him. In fact, in, in John 17, verses 1 through 3, as Jesus is praying uh, before he goes and, and, and dies on the cross and, and rises again, um, Jesus prayed this. He says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Every day, every person wakes up thinking about how can I experience, how can I get the most out of life? The way that we do that is to know God, to know Jesus, to walk with him, to live in his presence. And what's so cool about this, this psalm is, you know, remember, uh, psalm 84, most of the psalms probably written, some of them may be earlier, like there's a psalm of Moses, Psalm 90. But this psalm was, psalm was probably written maybe around a thousand years before Jesus came. So we have, because of our position in history, we know a, a little more about God's plan. And what we know is God's dwelling place is his people now. I mean, how amazing is that? We don't just have to go to a temple the Lord, Jesus, when he died on the cross and he rose again, he ascended into heaven. He says, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send the comforter to you. He's not going to be bound to one place at one time. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The idea that he can dwell in us. And what we want to do is we want to welcome him into our lives. We want to open ourselves to him and say, Lord, let, let me, let my life be a temple that is pleasing to you. Let me walk with you. Let me, let me live an attitude and, and life of praise. I want to, in, instead of chasing after all these other things, like it says in verse 2, 
I want to surrender my life to you. Because verse 2, it says, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. As I mentioned before, when you look at all of the people in our world, all of the people in our city that don't know Jesus, just overall, everybody is doing everything they can to satisfy their heart and to satisfy their flesh. And you go around and you try to plug in all this stuff that we think is good. Some of them are good things. Honestly, sometimes it's just perversions of a good thing that God created to be used in a certain way. And the world says, I'm gonna twist this and I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna use outside of God's will. And the enemy, he will tell you, hey, do this. This is gonna help you be fulfilled. This is gonna help you. You do that, you step outside of God's commands and you sin. The enemy turns around two seconds later and he's condemning you for the thing he just tempted you to do. That's the reality of how it works when we're, we're running around, when we need to come to the Lord and say, my heart and my flesh, no matter how I may feel at any given moment, my heart and my flesh really cry out for you, God. I need you. I need to open my life up to you. In verse four, it says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And part of, of the reality of us, of, of welcoming the Holy Spirit and and welcoming God into our lives and his presence into our lives and his power into our lives is we say, Lord, I want, I'm choosing to praise you. Despite, I'm not just gonna praise you when things go well. I'm just not gonna be a fair weather fan. You know, I'm originally from Arkansas. It's it's tough to be an Arkansas Razorback fan, be honest. We've had some really, really tough times. But, and I, it's, it's, I honestly, like, I can't even watch the games on Saturdays if I'm going to preach on Sunday because I've got to spend an hour and a half recentering my life and, you know, tr- rededicating my life to Jesus after that. But those are, that's my team. I got to root for my team, right? Even when we're losing, like, I can't just go start rooting for Alabama like everybody else. That's for sure. I can't do that. But, uh, but no, that's, we want to live an attitude of praise no matter what's going on. And what, what's crazy, when we praise God, it's hard to complain when we are living a life of praise. Have you noticed that? When you're, when you're, when you're physically singing a praise song, it's, it's like impossible to, to complain. It's impossible to have a bad attitude when you're praising. If you're really praying, praising him, and you know, like you read in the Psalms, the Israelites Part of their problem is they would go back to their tents and they would grumble. They would complain. Oh, we got to eat this manna again. Why do we just have quail? I've had quail so many days. Got to go pick it up every day. Weren't enough graves for us in Egypt. God, why'd you bring us out here to the desert so we can die? Whining and complaining. Not having the attitude of praise. It's a dangerous place for us to be. But when we, when we pray, when we live an attitude and life of praise, it, it also sets us up for God to be our strength, to help us. And so when, when you think about thriving and we think about disciplines, maybe some of you are just thinking about, man, this sounds like spiritually going to the gym, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Really what this is, we are inviting God's power to do the work in our life. It's not about us trying to, to white knuckle it, try harder, right? That's some, depending on what your personality type is, some of us just try harder. 
If I just try as hard as I can, I'm going to make this work. That's what the way we do is we bring Jesus into the battle. Do, do you think like it, it was saying the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the God of all creation, the God of angel armies. Do you think there's something that Jesus says, ah, oh, man, I, I can't fix that problem. Or I just, do you, do you think there's a battle that Jesus started that he didn't win? Do you, do you really, I mean, sometimes the way that we live our life and the way that we think about Jesus, what he's able to do, we just assume there's, he's not able to fix this problem. He's just not up sitting there in heaven. Oh, Jeremy, he's done it now. I'm not gonna be able to fix this. It's too bad. He's on his own. He's just, hope he figures this out. No, the way, the way that the Lord is not able to help us is when, when I don't bring him into the battle. When he gets in the, on the field, he's going to get the W. That's the way that it works. He is the undefeated, un, undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champ of all creation. Jesus Christ, the firstborn, King of kings, Lord of lords. There's every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. You can bank on that. And what we need to do is say, Lord, will you come in my life? Will you be my strength? And that's the second idea for us is to establish the Lord as your strength in all seasons as we live as foreigners. In verse five, it said, blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. It's not about what we have to try to do on our own. It's inviting the Holy Spirit to, to actually give us, the scripture tells us in Philippians 2, the Lord gives us the will. He changes our desires and our hearts. Sometimes I don't even want to do the right thing. And I know I'm not the only one in here who's in that spot, right? I mean, sometimes our hearts are in the wrong place because we're sinners. And sin, let me tell you this. If, if you're, we'll, we'll talk about willful sin here a little later. If you're debating, sometimes when we come to these crossroad moments in our lives and we think, hey, I know there's consequences if I make this bad choice, but I'm just gonna do it anyway and I'll deal with the consequences. Let me tell you this, the consequences are always worse than what you think they will be. It's always worse. The enemy is a liar and he will plant seeds in our lives and we have to get let God's truth, and, and a, a, additionally, my view can be distorted. My view can be obstructed. And if, if the lights aren't on, I will, make a, I will trip over stuff in my, as I'm living. We need the Lord to turn on the lights. We need him to help us and his power to change us. So I, I hope that gives you encouragement. Instead of trying to figure it out and try harder, we need to invite Jesus into the battle because he is our strength. Your marriage, your family, your job, your home, in the community, whatever, maybe you have a personal integrity issue that you're working through right now. Whatever that is, the Lord is bigger than those things. And, and as, as, as much as solitude is important, where we allow him, part of what happens in solitude is we allow the Lord to interpret our reality for us. Instead of me trying to figure out what I understand, I look through the eyes of faith and through what God's word says is true. Say, Lord, this, this issue, this is something, maybe, you know, in our city, so many times we meet people that have never had a, a legacy of faith in their lives. So they just said, my, my family has always struggled with these issues. Maybe that's true. It, it can end now. In Jesus' name, he can do those things. 
we have to invite him in and, and trust him and also understand too that the things that he will change now, he can change those now, but the things that will change after our life, he will give us grace to walk through those because he is his grace is sufficient for us. Our, God's working in my life. Me being fruitful is not about me being perfect. It's about me abiding with Jesus. That's what it really all comes down to. Jesus said in John 16, 33, to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in you, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I, I, I like to tell my kids, this, our life here is like my pinky finger. The rest of eternity, the, the universe, I think I saw this stat recently, 45 billion light years big is the universe from what can measure right now. So our life, Jesus says, in this pinky, you will have trouble, but take heart in the, I have overcome the world here and in the other 45 billion light years of existence, you will have the perfect life. You want no life as you've attended, but in this world, you're gonna have some difficulties. But here's what's so cool. God is sovereign when he's your strength. He's sovereign over all those things. And that's what we see where it says the valley of weeping. When we trust in God, even those tough times, the Lord uses those to advance his purposes in and through us. It's incredible. The enemy does everything he can to distort, distort and block God. But the Lord still completes his purposes through the enemy. Because if you thought about it, like, why doesn't God just like snuff out, just completely obliterate Satan? It's because God's so sovereign. He's like, Satan, even though you're trying to rebel, I'm still going to extract glory from your evil because he is sovereign. Praise God that he is able to do that. James 1, 2 through 4, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when we go through tough times, we have to consider it joy. We have to count it joy because nobody is like, hey, I just lost my job. I don't know where money, my money's going to come from. Yes, this is awesome. I just got in a car wreck. Great news. This is incredible. Nobody says that. We have to look through the eyes of faith and realize I am going through a tough time and, and pause and process and say, man, this, this stinks, but God is good, right? I, I tell them, there's a couple of phrases I, that I repeat to myself and I tell others is I say, life is not fair, but God is good. And walking through difficulties, I say things won't be the same again, but that doesn't mean they can't be good again. God is a good God. And we walk through disappointment. We walk through valleys of weeping, of struggle and challenge. But the Lord is good. He's faithful. He's going to bring, there, there's moments of weeping, of pain and hurt. But the Lord is near to us. And it's important in those times as, as, as a priority, as solitude with the Lord is. We, we are created to live in community with other people. You don't see Christianity exist without community. We have, to, we have to do that. But the first voice we hear is the voice of the Lord. But we've got to be surrounded by other people to support us through those times. And the Lord is, as we call to him, we lean upon him. It, what, what's crazy 
we, even when we're in a time of hurt, the Lord will turn our focus to be other focused. The people that are the most blessed. Have you ever noticed the people that are incredible blessings? It's almost hard to do nice things for them because you'll, you'll try to be a blessing to them and they turn around and they do something to bless you. It's like, I showed up, I was trying to help you. You end up helping me. Like the people that are the, the greatest blessing are servants. That's what Jesus, he was just constantly pouring himself out. And this, this last idea for us is pray for and seek Jesus's will to be done and his kingdom to come. Verse nine, it says, Jesus, or the psalmist wrote, look upon our shield, O God, look with favor on your anointed one. At the time of this, this writing, it was probably asking, it was, it was a prayer of intercession for the king, for the leader, of saying, Lord, uh, provide your blessing upon your anointed one. But now, as I said before, we know who the anointed one is, Jesus. And we know what he's doing, his, his plans. We get to be a part of that in the work that he's doing in his church. And, and as what we can pray is we say, Lord, I want my life to be about what you're doing. When we give our plans to the Lord, then we will, they will succeed. That's what you see a lot of that writing in Psalms and Proverbs. I, I would mix it up when I was younger in my faith. I wanted to say, Lord, if I give you my plans, you're going to do whatever I want. And he's just like, Jeremy, that's not how it works, brother. I love you, son, but we're going to spend a little more time in solitude to understand when you give your plans to the Lord, he says, you are a part of what I'm doing and, and his work. And that's, that's what we're called to be uh, in what the, the psalm is right. He says, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. He's like, matter of fact, why am I fighting so hard from God to be with him to have his way, he's a good God. He doesn't withhold any good thing from me. Have you ever thought about sometimes why am I fighting God over something when he has something better that he wants to do in my life? Why am I, why, why, how am I not trusting the Lord who did not spare his own son but gave himself up for us? How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God, he is going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us. We just have to make room, open ourselves. And as I said, this specific, specific attitude or practice of solitude is to make room, make margin for the Lord to speak where we're not getting pinged and buzzed. And, you know, some of us who are, uh, maybe you're at a season where you got little kids, it's hard. We are just, my children are nine and 11. I'm like, man, they're, remotely autonomous right now. We don't have to worry about sticking a fork into an electrical outlet or going to the beach and eating sand or eating trash. It's like, I have a little more space in my life now, my brain space, right? But, but we have to find ways. We need help. We need community to help us get space to hear from the Lord. And, and, but as we, we, allow him to move and work and we listen to him this final idea is so important it says for the lord god is a sun and a shield he he provides uh insight direction he he provides uh, support for us uh, uh care security safety he bestows favor and honor as i said no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless and this is an important caveat 
when we talk about saying we want to thrive, when we want the Lord to move and work, we have to make sure that we stop doing things willfully that are, we can't just willfully plant seeds of, 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 of evil in our lives. We can't plant weeds in our life and be surprised when they grow. And this idea of saying, Lord, is there anything in my life right now that I'm willfully ignoring you, that I'm willfully violating what you call me to do? Lord, will you change my heart? And at the same time, Lord, is there something that I'm doing that I'm not even aware of that is causing me problems and difficulties and it's short-circuiting your work? I'm as, as God's trying to open up the soil and I just, just beat it back down, mat it again. He's like, Jeremy, what are you doing? Let me break this up, turn around, beat it, mat it back down again. He's like, this is, we need to pause, time out. You've got to stop willfully ignoring what I'm asking you to do. So part of what I want to do uh, as we conclude, and I know the band's going to come up, the worship band's going to come up and lead us in another song. And today we have an opportunity to uh, have communion as a church together. As, as we finish, I want to I encourage you guys to uh, ask God, just seek him. Lord, is there something in my life that, that you are trying to take back from me and I just won't let it go? As I said, it could be some attitude. It could be a fear. It could be forgiveness. Maybe, there's, maybe it's some bitterness. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's a weight and a burden that you're carrying. As I said, maybe it's a lie that you've believed about yourself. And, and perhaps you're not sure what it is, but you need to spend some time with a counselor, which is not a bad thing, by the way, to navigate what that is, what, what the weight is. But we're, we're, we have to give him permission to move and work in our lives and, and stop willfully ignoring what he calls us to do. So these last couple of Psalms, we're going to look at just a few verses. I'm going to, I'm going to read. I think you guys can see them on the screen. I'm going to read them. And as, as I said, take a moment now to pray as I uh, pray along with me as I read these. But also throughout uh, the time as we're enjoying communion together and as we are uh, throughout this week, really, I, that's what my prayer recently for myself is, is that not just God would speak now, but this word, this time that we're spending together in the word, that he would speak to you throughout the week. And I, I, I would recommend you, as far as the practice of solitude, try spending 30 minutes, an hour, put away the phone. Could be go for a walk, get in, get in creation. I like to go for walks. And I, I like to go to just beautiful places and just look at creation and say, look, look at God. Look what he did. And God, what do you want to speak to me? And you've got your, your journal there. You can write down some things that the Lord would maybe remind you of. You could spend time in the word. But all of that, all of the, the idea of seeking God, it doesn't work if we're willfully planting evil in our lives. Let's, let's step away from that. And as we begin thriving, let's stop distracting ourselves. Let's stop causing ourselves problems. Let's let the Lord bring about that in our lives. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll, we'll continue. Psalm, 20, Psalm 139, 23 through 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 19, 12 through 14, it says, Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. 
May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Jesus, we thank you that you are our rock, that we can build our lives upon you and that the worries of this world, the storms that we face will not knock that house down. But Father, any parts of our life that are built upon the sand, that are, we're, maybe we've seen a collapse, maybe it's starting to collapse now, Father, will you just show us so we can build on the rock of Jesus? We can build on you. And thank you that you are our redeemer. Father, I pray for anyone in here that is, or anybody watching that is dealing with thoughts of low self-worth, dealing with lies from the enemy, dealing with uh, struggles, just uh, not believing that you can work in their life. Father, I pray that they would be encouraged because you are our redeemer. You bring victory, Father. There's not a battle that you lose. There's not an obstacle that you are uh, intimidated by. Lord, we just have to give you permission to move and work and trust you as you move, as you do it. So Lord, also just any, any offensive way in us, Father, just show us that and lead us in your way everlasting. We need you, Jesus, and, and turn us, give us the wisdom, change our hearts to turn away from willful sin. Let us be blameless before your sight and let us grow in grace in loving you and honoring you and being a blessing to our community, to our family, to our spouse, to our children, to our parents, to our community, to our church. Let us be a blessing to you, Father, and a blessing to those around us in your name, for your honor, for your glory. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.